Hi, welcome to the Vine Church podcast. This week we've got a great speaker. Hope you enjoy it. You know, from doing announcements at the front, from even doing host team to speaking God's word, I always just say to God, just stir my heart, give me something that will bring not only encouragement to myself, but also to the church. And about three or four months ago, God started speaking to me through my business. Hannah and I, we run a a business in Dunfermline, and I really felt God saying to me that it's time to take it to the next level. And I don't mean the next level from an ego point of view, making it bigger, or from a monetary point of view, which is always nice, but I'm not referring to it that way. I'm referring it to the fact that Hannah and I have been blessed to have a business as two Christians that we're in that sphere of influence that we're running a Christian-focused business that's in the business world. And as I was praying that, I very much felt the little guy on my shoulder saying, you're not good enough to do that. What do you want? You're you're just Michael. What are you on about? And I'm like, no, no, no. God's blessed me in a business, and he's blessed me. Therefore, I'm going to break through this. So anyway, a couple of months went past, and then... A month ago from about today, our biggest client said to me, oh, you're, can you go down to London, do a job for me, but then I want you to come along and join me and the rest of the, the staff in a charity yacht race. I was like, a yacht race? One, I've never been on a yacht, and two, I've never raced a yacht. So going on a yacht race was, it was interesting, but once again, it was the biggest IT firms that you can come across the likes of Microsoft, Google, Android, we're all going to be at this event. And there was me, Michael from Simplicity Marketing Fife. And this little voice popped up again. You're not good enough. You shouldn't be going to that. You're just one person. What are you doing? And the reason I want to highlight that this morning is I believe personally on my journey and as Christians and as a church, One of the biggest enemies that we face day in, day out, is that nagging little voice that says, who are you? You are not good enough. You can never make a difference. So I've titled my message this morning, there is power in the one. And what I mean by that is often we get a sense of overwhelming that we're we're insignificant, that maybe we feel completely useless, believing that I'm just one person. What can I do? And that's that feeling I had about our business. It's that feeling I had about going to this big IT charity yacht race. I thought, I'm just one person. What good am I? But this morning, I want us to understand this, that God can and God will use you. Amen. But there's a, there's a but. There's a big but, and big buts don't lie. If you want God to use you, you have to let him. Oof. It's important. You have to let God use you. How many did it take to confront Pharaoh and lead the Exodus? One man, Moses. How many did it take to rescue her people from the Holocaust? One woman, Esther. 
How many did it take to rescue the man on the Jericho Road? One good Samaritan. How many did it take to kill Goliath? One young man in David. In the world we live in, we see the same thing. How many people to invent the light bulb? Thomas Edison, one man. Invent the telephone, one man, Alexander Graham Bell. The nursing profession that we know today, one woman, Florence Nightingale. And you see, the world we live in can also have negative ones. It just takes that one addiction to bring us to our knees. That one time we decide to maybe inject for the first time and it breaks us. That one opportunity we have in our marriage, as Stephen was saying, to either say yes or no, and we say the wrong thing. In other words, there is power in the one. You know, every morning when Holly wakes up, she, I don't know if this is good parenting or not, but she points to iPad, iPad, iPad. She wants a wee iPad, iPad, iPad. And I'm like, Holly, it's a rekindle fire, not an iPad. But the reason she wants it is because she loves to read the Bible app. She loves to push the little buttons and the, the lion makes roar and the, the monkeys, you know, they make all these animal noises. But I've been loving reading it with her because it, it's opening my eyes up to almost this childlike teaching that sometimes we miss when we're reading the Bible. Uh, some of you may remember I shared a couple of weeks ago when I was convening that it says when God looked over his creation that he wasn't just good, but it was very good. And you know, as I continued to read through Genesis with Holly, we hit what I believe to be one of the most famous kind of Bible stories that we read, one of my favorites, particularly those that do kids' work. It's one that tends to be used all the time, and it's about Noah. Noah and the Ark. Is everyone aware of Noah and the Ark? A childhood classic and a classic that I think we all know but sometimes maybe skip past. So this morning I want to look at elements of Noah and how we can relate this. There is power in the one. So to begin with, I just want to do an overview of where we're up to in Genesis. So we see that God created his creation, the earth and the heavens. And God said, he looked over all he had made and saw that it was very good. But then we know that Eve ate from the tree of knowledge of good and evil. Then all of a sudden, sin entered the world. Things then spiral out of control. And it says in Genesis 6, verse 5, the Lord observed the extent of the human wickedness on the earth and said that everything they thought or imagined was totally evil. And it goes on to say this, it broke God's heart. It broke God's heart. You see, when I think of Noah's Ark, I've always thought about it being this complete anger story that God's fury just completely wiped out and caused the flood. But when I was reading this with Holly, I realized that, do you know what? There's an element of a love story here. God's passion to restore his people. God's passion to wipe this slate clean and give a fresh start. It was a love story. God's one and only son. I want you to turn to the person next to you and say, God found favor in the one. 
God found favor in the one. You see, if we turn to Genesis chapter 6, it says in verse 8 and 9, in fact, I'll start from verse 5. Genesis chapter 6, verse 5. Then the Lord observed the extent of the humid wickedness on the earth, and he saw that everything they thought or imagined was consistently and totally evil. So the Lord was sorry he had made them and put them on the earth. It broke his heart. And the Lord said, I will wipe this human race and will destroy every living thing, all the people, the large animals, the small animals, and that scurry along the ground, and even the birds of the sky. I am sorry I ever made them. But Noah found favor in the Lord. This is the account of Noah and his family. Noah was a righteous man, the only blameless person living on the earth at the time. And he walked in close fellowship with God. Noah found favor with the Lord. He was the only blameless person, the one, the only blameless person that walked close with God. You know, one of my favorite stories that I've kind of told a few times to people about the power of one was there was this youth worker from Manchester and he, he got involved in a church that was starting a new youth project. So he, he, he got invited in. He was the, the youth pastor. And he felt God say to him almost this, there's power in the one. I want you to go around the city and find those lost teenagers. So this youth worker would wake up every morning, get in his rusty little car, shorts and t-shirt, even in the winter, and he would drive around the city looking for teenagers. And he'd pulled up at this football pitch once, and he saw four teenagers, and he got out and went up to them. All right, mates, how you doing? Oasis. That's my best Manchester accent. That's, that's a, it's out of the way now. And he would go up to these guys, and he would be telling them about, oh, I've started a new youth project. You know, it's going to rain. It's literally about to rain. Therefore, let's go and play football inside. We can, you know, there's a bit of food. We can play pool, play some football. And just to clarify, for youth workers today, if you get in a rusty car looking for teenagers and try and lure them in with games and sweets, you'll go to prison, okay? This was the late 90s, early 2000s, so he got away with it. But anyway, these four teenagers decided, you know what? It's going to rain. I don't want to get wet. Let's go. Let's do it. Free food and some football. So these four teenagers ended up going to this, this youth kind of hall, similar to what we have here for the church. And to cut a long story short, for six years, this youth pastor poured his life out into these teenagers. And then at the age of 17, there was a football kind of event happening, an outreach event. And this youth pastor was kind of just preaching. And lo and behold, one of the teenage boys stood up and gave his life to Christ. Six years, this one man poured his life into these youth. 
And the reason I tell that story and the reason I love that story is I am that one teenager. Six years. One man in a rusty car, which thinking back, I should never have went near, took me to a youth group in Perth Baptist Church, just like we have here at Synergy, poured his life into me, and I found Jesus. And on a, a little side note, what I love about this story as well is that same event that I stood up and gave my life to Christ, two seats next to me stood up one of the other teenagers who happened to be my brother. And my brother went on to run that same youth group for another 10 years after Alan had moved on. The power of one. And you know, the reason I want to share that is God speaks to every single one of us. God has given us a purpose, a dream, a vision, maybe a prophecy, maybe like my old youth worker, Alan, God has placed one individual or one calling on your life. And I don't want you to ever think, who am I? I am not good enough. It says in Proverbs 20 and Matthew 13, we must have ears to hear eyes to see, and a heart to understand. And you know what I think we do as Christians? I think we hear from God, and I think what we do is we try and find others that have heard the same thing. Oh, did, did God say to you to, to pray for healing? Oh, good. I'm exhausted. You can do it then. Or he might say, oh, did, some, did, some, did, that, did God place that individual in your heart? Oh, whew, I've got a busy week ahead, so I'll let you run with this one. Just you go with it. And the reason I want to tell you that this morning is I believe that the time has come, just like Noah, that we must rise up, walk close with God, and align the plans and purposes that God has for us with our lives. Because today I feel God is saying that we must find favor in the Lord. Because if Alan didn't obey God, where would I be today? And I don't even want to think about it. So I'm telling you now, don't you ever think you're not good enough because God has a plan for every single one of you. Amen? I want you to turn to the person next to you and say, there was only one. says in chapter 6, 14 and 16, I want you to build me an ark from cypress wood. Some say gopher wood, from cypress wood, and waterproof it with tar inside and out. Then construct decks and stalls throughout its interior. Make the boat 450 feet long, 70 feet wide, and 45 feet high. Leave an 18-inch opening below the roof, all the way around the boat. Put the door on the side and build three decks inside the boat, lower, middle, and upper. You know, when Holly gets the iPad, she likes to push the buttons, but one of our favorite buttons is the rewind one. So we're listening to the book of Genesis, and it's, God said to Noah, build an ark. God said to Noah, build an ark. 
God said to Noah built. I'm like, holy, I know God said build an ark. But it got me thinking. God said to Noah to build one ark. Do you not think it would make sense to build many arks? All those animals? There was only one. One ark. You know, Noah didn't go around telling everyone, take your choice. Pick your favorite ark. Which one's your favorite? He didn't say that his ark was better than anyone else's. There was only one ark. And you know, for me, when I was praying about this, I felt God say this symbolizes God's one and only church. It says in Matthew 16, 18, Now I say to you that you are Peter, which means the rock, and upon this rock I will build my church, and all the powers of hell will not conquer it. 1 Corinthians 3, verse 10, Because of God's grace to me, I have laid the foundations of the church like an expert builder. Now other builders are building on it, but whoever is building on this foundation must be very careful, for no one can lay any foundation other than the one and only Jesus Christ. You see, God is the master builder. Just as he gave Noah the fine details and instructions on the ark, that's what we read. Read through that. It said, make the ark 450 feet long, 75 feet wide, and 45 feet high. Leave an 18-inch opening below the roof all the way around the boat. Put the door on the side and build three decks inside the boat, lower, middle, and upper. God is the master builder. He gave Noah the exact instructions how to build this one and only ark. It wasn't built from architects. No offense, Stuart. Nowadays it is, though. Keeping you in a job. (laughs) It wasn't built from Noah's imagination or wisdom. And neither should the church. Why do I believe in the power of prayer? Why do I believe in speaking in tongues and worshiping the one and only true God? Because it's in his master plan. It's not because in my imagination I think so. No build the ark according to the plan. I worship God according to his plan. This is what I turn to when I want to find out about God. Jesus Christ is the cornerstone of the church. He is the foundation. It says that we are unified in Christ. Galatians 3.28 There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free man. There is neither male nor female. For all of us are in one in Jesus Christ. I want you to turn to the person next to you and say there is only one purpose. The only reason I do this is so I can have a drink, that's all. You can say it again if you want, there is only one purpose. You see, God chose one man to build one ark for one purpose. 
What was this purpose? Was it like this charity yacht race I was going on, which was to race from one island to another? Perhaps it was a speedboat. Or maybe it was more like a fishing boat. No. The purpose of the ark was more serious. You see, Noah's ark was used to save the blameless people when the terrible floods came to cover the earth. We see that in Genesis. It says, Noah was a righteous man, the only blameless person living on the earth. I don't know about you, but this seems to remind me of something. Reminds me of John 3.16, that God sent his one and only son to build one church for one purpose. You see, what is the purpose of the church? The church that is built upon the rock of Jesus Christ. Why are we all here today? Is it so we can come and gather and eat food? Amen. I love food. But no. Is it so we can come in and shake hands and give each other a hug and tell them how our week's been, if it's been good or been bad? No. You see, they're important, and we should be doing that at the heart of the church. But it's not its purpose. The Bible clearly tells us that his church, the church of Jesus Christ, is like the ark that was built for one purpose. To equip us and carry us as a lifeboat from earth to heaven. By coming in the way we worship him, the way we praise his name. That we can gather together as the believers to form the body of Christ. In other words, to form his church. It's not the building we come to. It's not the bricks that make it up. It's the people. It's the people that come as believers with one heart to worship God. For one purpose, to demonstrate the love of God clearly, tangibly, and boldly. Our mission is to rescue the lost, the one in the 100. Alan saw the one in the 100. He saw his mission and he went after it because there was power in the one. You see, God chose one man to build one ark for one purpose, but with one door. I don't know about you, but Noah's, Noah's ark, as it is, is a, a fascinating story. But when you read that he only built one ark, but then to make it even stranger, he only built one door. Why wouldn't there be back doors or side doors or little secret doors or doors with big elephant ears to get through, or tiny little ones for the mice. One door. You see, when Alan obeyed God, Alan, my, my old youth worker, obeyed God and listened to what God was saying to him, not only did he spend hours telling me about God, but he spent hours building that connection, that relationship with me. And then he went on to tell me 
there was one door that could give me access to heaven. He told me about the one door in Jesus Christ, the door to the eternal kingdom of heaven. You see, when I became a Christian, I still remember two verses that transformed my life forever. John 10, verse 9 and 10. Yes, I am the door. Those who come in through me will be saved. Those who will come will go freely and find good pastures. The thief's purpose is to steal, kill, and destroy. My purpose is to give them rich and satisfying life in its fullness. And in a verse that I still use almost daily in my walk with Christ, Luke chapter 11, verses 9 and 10. And so I tell you, keep on asking, and you will receive what you have asked. Keep on seeking, and you will find. Keep on knocking, and the door will be opened. For everyone who asks receives, everyone who seeks finds, and to everyone who knocks, the doors will be opened. One ark, one door one way to heaven through Jesus Christ. Could I just ask the band to make their way back up? Does that make sense this morning, church? You know, one of the, one of the things I've learned about trying to study God's Word is that always make it Christ-focused. Always center your attention on Christ. And reading Noah's Ark in this way has opened up a whole new understanding. But I just want to ask as the band start to play that maybe you can stand up with me this morning, church. Because as I said at the beginning, there's this voice, what difference can you make? Who are you? You're just one person. Here's my cry to every single one of you today. This morning I want to ask you, maybe if you're a Christian, maybe you've already taken that step of faith, you've already entered through that one door. I just want to encourage you that maybe if there's a promise, a dream, a vision, or maybe there's one person in your life that you just keep on thinking about over and over again. This morning, I just want to say to you, don't doubt yourself. Do not doubt yourself. I want you to remind yourself that there is power in the one and that you are the one. Because if you ignore the call upon your life, if Alan had ignored the call upon his life, I wouldn't be here today. And there's maybe someone out there that's been called and waiting for you, and they're not going to get to know Jesus. Just like Noah was called, he was called for one purpose, to save the lost. Maybe this morning you're here because you've never made this decision. You don't know anything about Noah. 
Maybe you don't know anything about Jesus. Well, this morning I want to say to you that Jesus' door is always open. The door to the church is always open. This morning I want to encourage you that whoever the Son of Christ sets free, all those addictions you may have, all those fears you may have, that whoever Jesus sets free, he sets free indeed. That we are all sons and daughters of God, and that just as Noah made room on his ark for his sons and his sons' wives, this morning Jesus has made room in heaven for you. This morning there is room in the Father's house. There is an eternal kingdom waiting for every single one of you. That one lost sheep, there is a place in the Father's house. And this morning, I want to, my cry is that if you have not found Jesus, if you have not found Jesus this morning, that you will just look upon this rock that we stand, and you will see the only way in, the only way in is through Jesus Christ. The only way in is through that one door in Jesus Christ. And that if you've never knocked on that door before, that this morning the good news of Jesus is his door is always open. His door is always open. And this morning as we sing this last song about being in the Father's house, I want you just to remember that. So Father, we just pray a blessing upon this church. Father, we pray that every single one of us, there is a purpose, a plan, and a calling. And that Father, if we can grasp that, if we can run with it, if we can just enter through the door of heaven, Father, if we can get a glimpse of heaven today, our lives will be transformed. Father, just bless this church, bless every single one of us, because it says that, Father, you sent your one and only Son for us. Amen, church.